Welcome to another episode of Civic Cypher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. I am also your host, but not Ramses Ja. Mm-mm. He calls me Q. Stella calls me Q Dirty. Mm. That's a story I'll tell another day. I like that one, though. <laughs> um, we are back to broadcast the balance and to defend the discourse. And as you know, we've had an interesting week, an interesting couple of weeks, but this past week has been more of the same, unfortunately. And uh, uh, per usual, we're here to make heads or tails of it the best we can. Uh, stick around. We have a lot in store for you today. We're, of course, of course, going to talk about um, Jalen Walker, the young man who was shot uh, I believe it was 60 times. They attempted uh, to shoot him 90 times. Right. Um, that was in Ohio, in Akron. So, obviously, we have to break that down, um, address it, and hopefully give you the tools that you'll need to have the conversations in your communities that um, we need to have. You, you can take this information into spaces that we can't, um, and hopefully we'll give you what you need to be the best ally that you can be. We're also going to talk about the latest mass shooting as of this episode, the recording of this episode, um, in Chicago. It took place on the 4th of July, and really we're going to deal with the juxtaposition of how these two people were pursued by law enforcement. Um. It's 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 heavy stuff, but you know that's what we're here to do is to talk about it. So stick around; we have that and a lot more in store for you. But let's start off on a positive note. Q, um, how you feel about some ebony excellence? You know how I feel about some ebony excellence. Indeed, it's absolutely yeah. needed and necessary. All right, let's talk about it. So a name you know very well. Um, this, by the way, brought to you by Armadale Vodka. Um, Katanji Brown Jackson. She has formally joined the Supreme Court. Um, I'll read a bit from CNN. Uh, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson joined the Supreme Court on Thursday, making history as the first female African-American justice and beginning what could be a decades long tenure after her confirmation in a stirring speech in the South Lawn in April. Jackson noted that in her family, quote, it took just one generation to go from segregation to the Supreme Court of the United States. It's an honor of a lifetime. Um, Obviously, we've talked about her being, uh, you know, recommended, confirmed. And then obviously we have to talk about her actually being sworn in as a justice. This is a win for uh, black girls everywhere. And if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know, we we do our best to celebrate black girl magic as often as we can. Um, So we salute you, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, for making history. and, you know, obviously the Supreme Court is in the news for a lot of other things. Um, and uh, hopefully she'll bring some perspective. You know, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. So much needed perspective. I, I just wish there was more she could do the mm. way that the court is set up. It's yeah. grossly imbalanced right now. Right. Intentionally. Right. And they're doing a lot to set us back. Yeah. Um, generations. It's It's really discouraging. But again, good to know that moving forward there will be someone who can at least affirm our humanity uh, and the humanity of black women um if nothing more 
Moving on. Um, Jalen Walker. Now, you know, we, we understand that some folks, this might be the only news source that you get, right? Um, for many people, obviously, you've heard the name Jalen Walker, but for those who haven't, we'll paint the picture a bit for you here. Um, a young man was uh, fleeing police. Um, he, as he was fleeing, um, I, I believe the police were pursuing him for a, I think it was a traffic infraction or a registration, something like that. No, no, nothing serious, right? Fleeing police. Um, obviously, as police do, they call more enforcement officers to help in the pursuit. Uh, they say that they heard a shot and noticed a muzzle flash outside the window when the when Jalen was driving on the freeway, which altered their uh, rules of engagement, is what they say. And they have a, a. I love to hear the reason why. I, I got a whole theory on this, um, which, by the way, if you want to hear my thoughts in depth, be sure to check out the Black Information Network daily podcast. Um, it's on iHeartRadio. Um, I go into a lot of detail about this because this one was a little troubling for me. But long and the short of it is he's fleeing the police. Um, he ends up, you know, stopping his car, jumping out of his car and fleeing officers. Um, I think early reports said that he had a ski mask on. Um, officers thought that he was running toward them and he ended up getting being shot by all the officers who were there pursuing him and they let off 90 rounds 60 of them actually striking him and uh then they went and handcuffed him um and then his handcuffed body i have a note here um arrived at the medical examiner's office according to the autopsy report that comes from cnn so for those that don't know that is the story there now, um, some other details that I learned is that um, officers, you know, report that they discovered a handgun in the car. But in addition to the handgun, they discovered a wedding band. Um, and according to the family, uh, Jalen Walker had just lost his either fiance or wife, something like that, and was not really in the best space, as you can probably imagine, right? Um, and what I don't want to do is give excuses for anybody. You'll never hear me give excuses for the police, but I do play devil's advocate because I realize it's necessary. I don't want to give excuses for... Um, Jalen Walker, but I do believe that context is important. And once enough context is applied, we start to see that, hey, there is a system and it is kind of stacked against us. I don't need to do anyone any favors. Um, I don't need to do Jalen any favors here because we will juxtapose this on the other part of the show um, in the other half. But you'll see that the way that Black people are engaged is very different. And, you know, one such person is able to explain their actions to their family and to the public and to a judge 
and have their day in court. And one person lost their life in a field somewhere in Ohio. So um, I don't want this to sound like I'm doing anything like that. But it's important to know about that, that wedding ring thing. It's important to know that, you know, he had a gun in the car, he left it in the car as he fled. Um, and, but, you know, a lot of times the story starts with, well, why did he run? Now, remember, his crime was some sort of traffic crime or, you know, something like that. It, it, wasn't, an, it wasn't like they were pursuing him as a suspect of a murder or robbery or something like that. You know what I mean? I don't get why that would matter. Well, it doesn't. But I think it's important to note that a lot of times people think, well, he was running because he had done something. Or, you know, he was, you know, whatever. What I'm trying to establish is that it is very possible to just be afraid because they're police and they have guns. We've shared stories about how that looks. I know that I've shared a story. Remember the story when I was younger, um, when I was going to get and I woke up early for school. This was a while ago when I was still in school, but I went to get an inhaler for my cousin, Danny. And uh, the police pulled me over after I left the ATM and they pulled me out of my car with a gun. And I had done nothing wrong. I had no idea what was going on. You know, that sort of thing. It's one thing if I had actually done something and I was, you know, whatever. But I still don't get why that would matter. What I mean is that minor infractions can result in someone fleeing because after that happened to me, I became very afraid of the police. You know, they say your life flashes before your eyes. That happened to me when they said, lift up your hands, lift up your shirt and turn around slowly. And as I, as I rotated, you know, by the door of my car at 19 years old, and I saw all those guns pointed at me, it traumatized me. And I thought, because they said to me, um, if you make any sudden movements, we will kill you. They didn't say we will shoot you. If you make any sudden movements, we will kill you. I'm 19, I'm going to school. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what's going on? So after that, getting engaged by the police, it framed it like, yo, these people are here to kill me. You understand? So even if there's a traffic infraction and I've done nothing wrong, I'm like, Lord, let this cup pass over me. Yeah, you I understand? guess the reason why I keep asking why it matters is because we have examples where the perpetrator did do some awful crime sure. and ran for that reason right, and right. still got arrested and went to court. So I guess that's right. why I keep asking. And I'm glad you're asking the question because that's important. Over, it's I don't important understand why that matters or it's why important. we use that as the example, as if it means something. You're absolutely right. And I'm glad you said that because that's the same thing that I'm trying to establish. Now, him fleeing the police, you know, people are like, well, why was he running? He wasn't guilty of something. Well, we see that he, uh, traffic crimes is not a thing about guilt or innocence. It's an infraction, right? But, you know, people will ask that question, certainly folks on the right. Folks that if this conversation comes up in your life, you know, they'll ask, well, you shouldn't have been running if you didn't have anything. If you met, it wasn't a threat and whatever, you shouldn't have been running. Why do they always run, right? But we as a people have been traumatized. I have been as an individual been traumatized by the police. The police are not the good guys in my story. The police are a part of society, 
some good, some bad, but I, I don't paint with broad strokes there because I've seen the police do awful things to people. I saw it since I was little. The LAPD do really mean things to people and take stuff from, take the money and then send them on their way. No arrest, no nothing, no paperwork. Just bullies. Saw it happen. You know what I mean? And this happened other times in my life too. Um, now, if you have had this sort of experience and then you see those lights behind you, you might know, okay, well, shoot, I have a gun in the car or whatever. If I pull over, that, that might be the end of it. It could be your gun. It could not be your gun. But that's a scary predicament to be in. Shoot, I, I switch lanes without a signal, but I have my, my gun here. I could be the most legal person in the world. Upstanding city, we, we've seen it happen many times. Um, uh, it, it, the, the panic. Okay, well, shoot. Uh, if I pull over, there's a 100% chance that <laughs> these people are going to flip out when they find out I have a weapon. And they will be justified in doing whatever they are going to do. And what happens when you are confronted with that, those circumstances and that kind of um, adrenaline rush that comes over you when you realize that your life might be in, in danger, it's a nervous system response. It's called fight or flight. We talk about that on the show. Some people choose to, all right, well, if this is my moment, then I'm going to go down fighting. And some people say, I don't want this to be my moment. I'm going to try to get away from this as much as possible. Any creature with consciousness and a nervous system has that capability, right? This is how we've managed to survive as different species and certainly as human beings have managed to survive. So why would you run? Well, there's a lot of trauma there, a lot of reason to be afraid. So some people ask, well, why does he have a gun? It's not illegal to have a gun. Do you have guns? Multiple. Not illegal, right? Who told you to get the guns? An officer of the law. How about that? Right. Um, now, you recognize that if an officer of the law pulled you over and you happen to have a gun with you in the car, <laughs> the, the, the optics of the narrative are quite different, right? Which is, why I'm, which is why I was so unequipped when the gentleman attempted to kidnap my son. Mm. Fear of being pulled over while carrying the gun that the officer suggested I purchase. Real quick, I want to establish this again for those that don't know. Uh, in a recent episode, Q detailed an attempted kidnapping of his son um, in front of a grocery store. We, um, we both live in Arizona, so we're uh, near the border, and there's been a string of kidnappings, I believe. I mean, you could explain a little bit better than I can. Yeah, I mean, even... After I filed a police report to which there was no investigation, I went back to the scene. I went back to that grocery store. And as I'm explaining to the manager what happened, another family described the exact same situation and described the exact same people and the exact same car, mm -hmm. neither of which anything was done about. Mm -hmm. Now, um, that would have been in a time when having maybe having your gun and being able to protect your family might have been the right move for you. Yeah. Except um, I'm terrified to carry the weapon that I'm allowed to own. How about Because that? I don't want to die. There you go. And, and why, why don't, who, who would be the biggest threat to you if you had a gun in your, um, on your person? The city of Mesa 
police department. There it is where I live. Actually, so so this is our reality. Barring, uh, uh, listen, doesn't even matter what the numbers are. I'm not even going to go to numbers. This is our perceived reality. So this is our reality for all intents and purposes, right? So if if Jalen has a gun in his car legally or illegally, a lot of black people live in parts of the country that are very rough. But not because of anything that black folks have done. We outline all of the systemic issues that have a direct influence on how black people end up more often in impoverished circumstances. Um, housing discrimination is one. Uh, redlining, you know, uh, disenfranchised voting is another one. Um, you know, the war on drugs, environmental racism is another one. Um, you know, the, the unfair uh, um, allotment of the GI Bill that really uh, in, impacted the wealth um, in this country. Um, over policing, you know, uh, judiciary sentencing and on and on that list goes. Systemic issues that create things like ghettos, that create, you know, impoverished circumstances for one group of people specifically, right? And those environments that that one group of people or sometimes two groups of people because our Hispanic uh, or otherwise Latin uh, brothers and sisters are often neighbors with us in these communities, melanated more often than not. And I'm not, I'm not forgetting our uh, uh, indigenous brothers and sisters. I'm not, I'm not, you know, but you know, in terms of a huge chunk of the population, black and brown, that's really what we're talking about here. Um, but I'm not trying to overlook anyone, but those circumstances are very, very rough. You know, there's not enough. There's economic inequality, which is often the basis uh, more often than, than not. The majority of the time, it's economic inequality that is the basis for crimes in these communities. It's the poverty itself that is the catalyst for these crimes. And when there's crime in the community, a lot of people feel like they need to protect themselves from that crime. And a lot of people feel like, well, if I can have a gun, this country allows me the right to have a gun and protect myself. Or even if that's not their thinking, if the other people have a gun <laughs> that are in this community and they're robbing and taking and whatever, because they're trying to figure out how they're going to feed their babies or whatever it is, you know, I need to have one too, because I have to protect my interests as well. Exact, so have exact explanation that was given to me. There you go. There are guns, so you should have one. Right? Right. Like no one should have one, but since everyone else has one, you probably should. Hmm. Now, I personally, I must say, I feel like that's a little bit of fear mongering that the country has done to the population. Um, or I don't want to say the country, but really gun people. And they've really created a reality because that is true, Q. You're right. They've created a reality out of um, people stoking people's fears and and playing to people's ignorance because most people, at least at one point in time, didn't have guns. I still believe most people don't have guns right now. Um, I read a statistic that a very small amount of the population actually does own guns. Um, and just are more guns than right, people. Right. But, is, but where we live <laughs> in the American Southwest, where it's the Wild West very much still. Well, we have a government that's trying desperately to turn the entire country into the Wild West. So we're relaxing 
gun laws, relaxing the protection, mm. relaxing the background checks, relaxing the red tape you have to go through to carry. Mm. As we're relaxing all these things, making it easier to get a gun and the idea of gun control is being laughed at mm. by the people who we vote for to protect us. But it's another conversation for another show. Well, you start to see how the circumstances might compel a person to own a gun. So why did he have a gun? I think that there's this strange phenomenon that happens in this country, whereas if you have a gun, if you're a, a man with a gun, right? It's your second amendment right, God and guns, and George Washington. Of course I have, I have two guns, right? But if so you're a black, black man and, and you have a gun, then all of a sudden you're criminal somehow, right? Black men and guns is criminal, but, you know, white men and guns is, that's America, right? Textbook. So we need to rethink that as well. Um, but, you know, he has a gun. And in terms of the, uh, the shot fired on the freeway, if in fact that's what that was, you know, um, but let's for the sake of argument, say that it was. I think when you're driving on the freeway, the speed can kill you. I know a thing or two about speed now. Shoot, you got a couple of fast cars, so I know you know about speed too. Um, the speed will kill you. So if you're looking around, you know, uh, that's really where, you're, you're not running away from someone if you are set on dying, you know what I mean? If you're suicidal, right? So if you're speeding, um, it's very difficult to get a shot off, especially a shot in the opposite direction from where you're going, you know? But let's say, for instance, he was suicidal in a dark place, you know, whatever. Um, he has every... I, there's everything here that points to the fact that that's really a possibility. You know, he left the ring in the car. That's a statement in and of itself. The, the, the band, the wedding band, he left it in the car with the gun and the clip outside of the gun, right? So if that shot goes off, okay, is that shot pointed at anyone? I'm not saying the police shouldn't be afraid for their life. I get it. You know, it's a tough job, a tough situation to be in. Hang on, let me, let me say it. Don't forget it though. I want to hear it. But was that shot for himself? Was that shot an accident? Was, was he trying to take the, you know, I mean, just a simple, you know, who knows, right? I get that the police, if they feel like they heard a shot, they have to engage a different way. But I think that the way that we're engaging, <laughs> this is almost the same thing I say on every show. The way that we're engaging doesn't account for the fact that human beings deserve the right to live. Right. It, the ready assumption is that they're trying to kill me. My job is to catch them. And if they're trying to kill me, I'm going to kill them. And that we've seen, obviously, more often than not, that that's not the case at all. Now, go ahead, please. It's just not how they feel. And we know better. Mm -hmm. And this effort made by us to extend some benefit of the doubt that's not deserved. Right. The, the idea that the gunshot made them afraid. So they pursued different. It didn't. And they didn't. They were pursuing that way anyway. These gentlemen with assault rifles who are shooting people when the police arrive are not killed. 
they're not pursued in this way. They're not shot at 90 times. That's a great point. Mm. Like we, we go out of our way to be fair for what, like, who are we, who are we creating this facade of benefit of the doubt for? We have so much evidence to the contrary. It's exhausting for us to keep trying to be the ones to be fair in the way that we talk about things that are so blatantly not fair. Right. The, the, the officers in Texas arrived while this young man was killing people. They heard it. They witnessed it. They were there. He was still arrested without harm, scratch or bruise. Why was this young man who had a gun, whether he fired it or not, shot at 90 times while running away? The answer is incredibly obvious. But when we say it, it's received. <laughs> When we say it, it's received different than as just blatant factual truth. Well said. 